I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hey, Kieran. How are you? I am more rested. Me too. Than I was. It's good. For some reason, sleeping in a house with kids around makes me sleep better. One, That's weird. Wonder why. <laughs> I have I have learned that after sharing my bed for seven years, I have to surround myself by like pillows and stuffed animals. Otherwise, I can't sleep. Oh, well, that's a I'm thing. Just, I need a body to be there. Right. Well, that's what body pillows are for. Breakups. Yeah. Yeah. I just have like five stuffed dogs on my bed. Well, that's that's a good solution. I just have a real dog most of the time. See? Not right now. I miss her. So I'm I'm in Colorado for the Lighthouse Writers Festival. I've got a writing workshop fellowship thing that I'm doing, and I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm hanging out here at my friend Kate's house before it gets started. Nice. Yeah. Hence the kids and no dog. So if, legit. you know, if someone comes running down the stairs, it's because they woke up and decided that like bedtime wasn't real and they want to join the party. Because they're totally not asleep yet. <laughs> they're totally not asleep yet. <laughs> That's Kate. You want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Kate. Hey, Kate. It has been like a decade. Since I've since seen you. We have talked and seen each other. I yeah. Know. I can't wait to see you this week. I, I'm so excited. Um... So for listeners, Kate was my bridesmaid at my wedding. And the maid like, of honor at mine. Yeah. Well, also the maid of honor at mine. Okay. Come to think of it. Yeah. Kate's just an amazing Kate was human. both of our maid of honors. <laughs> yeah. I just signed up uh, to people's, be people's bridesmaids. <laughs> Everybody loves and Kate. And also the reason that like I had any lingerie at all. She picks up good lingerie. Look, this woman has been going around to all the thrift stores in her area, and she's been getting the most amazing lingerie. And I, like, swear to you, most of the shit has never been worn. She, and, of course, like, she's washing it all thoroughly. Don't worry. It's not as gross as it sounds, but, like, it's gorgeous stuff that she keeps finding. Yes. Thrift well, store. I did not like... get your lingerie from a thrift store, Karen, <laughs> so you know. I know you didn't. <laughs> You're just you're just creating a costume wardrobe right now. It's so good. It's like if you want someone with good taste, you just have to go talk to Kate and mm-hmm. it'll be set. And she's been feeding me these amazing breakfast burritos every day. Oh my god, this woman can cook. So great. So, um we went to Denver Pride together yesterday. And we went, I went with another friend for like the second part of the festival today. And that was super fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, what was your experience with Pride, I guess, after you came out? Because like, we didn't, I I feel like it's, it's pretty, it's a fair assumption to say that we growing up didn't celebrate Pride. (laughs) Well, I gotta say though, I like, I definitely was in San Francisco during Pride at some point visiting like family friends because I do remember like seeing some people like coming back from it, like all dressed up into the neighborhood where my, my folks were staying at their friend's house. 
and like my parents being like, oh gosh, close the blinds, we can't see this, or like something like that. And there was like a, a lesbian couple that lived across the street from these folks, and they had a little pride flag out. And I remember my mom having a conversation about like, well, these are the people whose lifestyle choices we disagree with, <laughs> but I'm sure they're quite nice. Which is kind of funny because I never really, I grew up knowing that the Bible said things were, that being gay was bad, but I never really, I, I don't think I ever took it super seriously because my aunt's a lesbian. I like, I never, mom like was like, well, she's not a Christian, but she never connected her not being a Christian to like being gay. And so it never felt like the two were connected. Of course, my oh, mom probably intended it, but they weren't. So just right. like. So a lot of my experience with homophobia was, like, in the culture around me, but, like, it was not something that was, like, super brought home. I don't – I do remember one time my dad biked to work wearing a purple shirt that my mom had gotten him, like a, a royal purple polo shirt. Mm-hmm. And I guess some guy yelled fag and, like, threw coffee at him or something. And he, like, came home and was like, I'm never wearing this again. And this was in, like, the Central Valley of California. So, like, a very, very conservative town. Very red town. So, like, that, those are, like, my experiences with it. But I never, like, it wasn't something that was, like, brought home from church. Yeah. And so I, I just, like, it never occurred to me. I just, like, it was, like, not part of my universe. But it wasn't stigmatized so much. Yeah. So... I didn't feel like any particular way besides like, yeah, it's kind of weird the church treats gay people like shit. And then going to a New Testament class in college and like realizing that like all of the verses about homosexuality that everyone cites are about pedophilia. Like if you if you translate them accurately. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of like rolled my eyes and like, I was like, cool. But so I went to Pride for the first time in 2013 at DC Pride. And one of my coworkers is, like, the most gay man with, like, gorgeous hair and a really studly Latino partner. And he was just like, we're having Frenchies. Come over. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he lived right off of DuPont Circle. So we, like, could walk out with our mimosas and watch the parade and come back. And it nice. was really cute. And um, and he's just, he's a sweetheart. We talked a lot about our conservative upbringings because his was very conservative as well so that was sweet and I remember having this moment of like oh this is just like really positive like I don't understand what the big deal is like why do people hate this because it's just like a big party about like loving everybody (laughs) it's like what the fuck is the deal and um there are these street preachers in DuPont Circle and I remember seeing like their like their signs yeah, all of their like hate, hateful Bible verse signs and slogans. And I took a picture of it and I put it up on Facebook and I don't remember what I said about it or like why, but I just remember being like, this is like very much, I'm like proud to not come from this. I'm proud to like come from people who don't go protest gate, you know, pride parades. Mm-hmm. My family may be fucked up, but they don't do that. So that's, that was my first Pride experience, and I didn't know I was bisexual at that point. I could, like, kind of was starting to realize that like how I saw women was different from how my friends saw women, mm-hmm. but that would take more time to figure out. 
Yeah, that makes sense. My first Pride, I was also, like, not entirely out. I was, I was, like, out to myself, but not really admitting it yet. And we just, like, stumbled upon it. Because we had just happened to go to Portland that day. Mm. Maine, not Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we, like, got brunch at this little restaurant that had outside seating. And all of a sudden, like, we're like, oh, wow, everything is rainbow. (laughs) That's cool. And then all of a sudden there was just this parade. And I was just like, whoa. Suddenly everything was gay. And I was wearing a purple shirt. And I was like, I'm so glad I wore purple today. (laughs) Uh, And, like, but I was still, like, really closeted about it. So it was, like, this kind of cool, subtle thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, part of this. But it's also, like... If there's a photo, then my in-laws aren't going to think anything bad of me because it'll have just been, oh, no, I was just happened to be there that day. Right, right. So you were worried about your in-laws seeing you there, but you didn't know you were queer at that point. Yeah, like, I kind of, I was, like, half out to myself, but I wasn't, like, out to anyone else. I was still grappling with, like, what it meant to be bi. I don't even know if I was out to my spouse at that point. I was just like, huh. How old were you? I was like, God. It was like 21. Mm-hmm. I was 21. Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, like a weird thing to like come to terms with, especially given like bisexuality is something that's like um, it's it's treated as a pretend problem. Mm-hmm. in the gay community so often it's always it's like a you can't be faithful and like just pick a side and right. you're not really gay you're just experimenting or whatever yeah or like you're on your way to being gay and you're just too afraid to not be straight right and it's like like it doesn't really matter which way you slice it being bi is just like not a real legitimate thing which is kind of why I've never felt super welcome in, like, queer spaces. Because when you're bi and also non-binary and neither of those boxes exist even in the queer community, it's just, like, really annoying. Yeah, it's, like, (laughs) it's really annoying when they have them in the, like, the acronyms, but, like, not in reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... It's because of stuff like that. Like, I didn't see, I didn't have representation. I didn't have an idea of, like, how that was a thing. I think the closest I had to representation was, like, Frida Kahlo. And, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know her story even that well then. And, like, because my mom loves art. And so I was, I was exposed to a lot of art. And I remember, like, there's this distinct moment where I was looking through one of my mom's art books and discovered that one of my sisters had, like, taken a, like, huge black Sharpie to all of... I think I've told the story before. <laughs> taken a huge black Sharpie and given all the women bikinis and all the men, like, little underpants um, for all yeah. the nudes and all the statues and in the photos in the book. And, and I remember being like, <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> like, yeah. everyone here is so beautiful. Why would you do that? And my mom kind of agreeing with me. And I... Like, at that point, I was doing a lot of drawing, and I was drawing a lot of nudes. And, um, like, my mom didn't think that was weird, but the people around me definitely did, besides mm-hmm. her. She did art. She, like, she does, like, how that works. But I also, you know, think that there's there's a lot of that where it was, like, 
that's where my bisexuality was coming out was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like not fantasizing, fantasizing about having a boyfriend. I'm drawing tits literally. <laughs> and so you don't know, like if you don't see it in popular culture and you don't know that it's possible as a thing, it's like, it's hard to like recognize that in yourself later until later. Cause you don't, you like, you know, you're different, but you don't really understand where you fit. I also expressed that was mm-hmm. through art without realizing it. And I had this long period of time where I just drew a lot of mermaids mm. for wholesome reasons and not <laughs> because they were boobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is that like, I mean, there is a degree to which, like, you have to draw the human figure in order to get familiar with it. But there's, like, a whole thing about, like, accidentally drawing your own porn for years without even realizing that that's what you were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of that. And also, um, Storybook Weaver. Did you ever play Mm-mm. Storybook Weaver? What and is it? it's like, you you write a story and you make a story, but it also has this art element where you can like design the pages. So it has mm. a bunch of stickers and drawings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also there was also this like American girl paper doll computer game thing that okay. like, these are the two games that I played where you could like write your own stories and design your own characters or whatever that were I got away with it because they were totally educational mm-hmm. so yeah they count for school mom doesn't yeah. have to supervise you <laughs> right so you know I never really wrote anything down obviously because that would be bad but it was it was good <laughs> right, good for right. the imagination right that there were years of journaling in code because I didn't yeah people to know anything yeah it was like that thing where i like realized at some point like why every single time one of my best friends got a new best friend or when my best friend started dating someone i would just like get like upset and mad for like weeks on end (laughs) (laughs) like i couldn't figure out what it was you know there's like some like oh maybe i'm just like a really loyal person and this person's like doesn't value me the same way i value them but like no actually you had a crush on them and you're jealous yeah let's be honest that's what's happening yeah yeah where there i mean i feel like there's a lot of like those those roots i think is the word where you like look back and you're like oh these are the things that i realized like were super gay signals that i now recognize yep yeah, there were a lot of those. Yeah, there was so much, so much that it was just like, oh yeah, well, duh, obviously, like. I mean, for me, what? like, let's like let's talk about how obsessed I was with Jennifer Knapp for a long time. Mm-hmm. That wife, white wife beater that she was wearing, and that cover. Yeah. And how the guitar strap pressed between her tits, and my father was like holding it up to me and being like, this is immodest. This is why you can't wear your purse this way. And I was like, cool, I'm going to draw that. (laughs) (gasps) Um, (laughs) Yes. Like, like I know if you, if you're a fan of the L word and you like, that was to me what Shane is to a lot of people. 
that like very gorgeous butch character. Mm-hmm. You're just like, mm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I had like an erotic dream about a girl, and that was when I realized that I wasn't kidding anybody. Totally Is this like by. way after you were married? Yeah, this was this was a couple years in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like that might be an interesting thing to unpack. What is it like? I don't I don't remember if you came out while you were married or not. Uh uh-uh, uh, I did not. I came out no. a year after I got married. Which, like, my ex husband and I had had discussions about what if, but like mm-hmm. we didn't know how to figure it out without like stepping outside the marriage and we weren't ready to do that so it was just kind of like this like we'll get to that we'll figure this out later kind of thing thing so both of us both of us like weren't sure where we stood on that but like knew it was a possibility that makes sense yeah i was like i was really nervous when I came out to my spouse because it felt like I needed to and I had to, otherwise it wasn't fair. Because, mm-hmm. like, they'd signed up for a straight person and mm-hmm. that was not the case. And right, it's like, like renegotiating the terms of the contract. Right, exactly. It's like, well, so I know that we already agreed we didn't want kids, but uh, what about if I like girls? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wound up being amazing, actually, because then I finally had someone to talk to about all the girls that were cute. Um, <laughs> and it was just wonderful. But I was really nervous about it because we'd grown up with, like, you know, gay people are, are bad and evil. Right. And we had kind of had enough friends at that point who had also come out that we'd already kind of grappled with, like, well, being gay obviously isn't a sin um, because that's ridiculous and none of the, like the Bible doesn't actually say that and all of the things. Right. But it, it was another thing entirely to be like, yeah, so I like tits a lot. Turns <laughs> out. Turns uh, out. <laughs> Where where does that where does that fall? Um, and it was really like I like I'm grasping at my memory for right now because it was really just kind of chill and not scary at all. The like harder thing was coming out to my in laws. You felt like that was necessary. I guess you well, guys were pretty enmeshed at that point. Yeah, like we were close and also like. I wanted to come out on my blog, and I knew they oh, read my right. blog, That's and I didn't want them to find out on my blog. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well. Uh, oh, my God, coming out on your blog. I, you know, that's actually, like, as a, like, a sidebar, that's one of the things that I was, that, like, drove me to stop blogging. Because I knew my audience was, like, so Christian, and a lot of them were whatever side B or, you know, the, like, we affirm that these things exist, but you have to be celibate because the Bible says so. Right. And I never really, I mean, as I said, like, as soon as I realized what those those verses translate to, I never agreed with it. I thought that was bullshit. But I, 
I just knew that like I was so tired from having that blog post about my sister go viral that like I mm. couldn't handle having like a whole lot more um, emotional emotional turmoil about by the way I'm by. And yeah. I had, you know, I just watched someone in the community come out as bi and not get taken very seriously. And, like, was, like, very confused by that response. Again, I, I was very new. I hadn't really under, encountered anything in the community and didn't understand the term bi erasure. I wasn't familiar with how it was treated. I just kind of instinctively knew that, like, if I didn't talk about it, I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Which... Like, you know, people, if you are saying that you're not really gay enough to consider yourself worthy of, like, celebrating pride or coming out or having those conversations because invisibility is easy, that doesn't mean that you're not queer enough. Yeah. And that was part of my problem is I didn't think that was queer enough. hmm Which is, you know, internalized homophobia. So... Yeah. I I just, like, was getting rape threats, and I was getting stalked, and I would just, like, shut down my blog and was like, I'm done. Um, and also, I don't want to tell you guys <laughs> that I'm gay right. <laughs> because all of this other stuff. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I didn't want to come out in my blog at the end. Yeah, that's legit. It was just sort of one of those things that, like, I like I I went back through my archives and I came out as bi, agnostic, and non-binary, all in the same year. Yeah. All when I was twenty-two. Was um, that twenty thirteen also? Yeah. Yeah, that was the year I came out as agnostic, and like had gotten divorced and was not talking to my father anymore and was leaving the church. Yeah. That was a big year for 2013 us. was a year. Yeah, it was like a lot went down. There's a reason and that when I had my going away party in D.C., I had a banner that read, fuck 2013. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Man. Gosh. Yeah, that, yeah. Was a, that was a time. That was, it was, it was, it was a thing. It happened. Yeah, and that was so also... We should get Nate to, like, look at our charts and figure out what, what the hell was going on with us yeah. out here. <laughs> what was happening in 2013? Because there was a lot of change. There was a lot of, like, things getting thrown upside down. And a lot of things that were no longer useful to us getting discarded. Like, seriously yeah. discarded. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also a thing, too. Because also, about the same time, like, after I came out as bi... We also decided to like try poly, mm-hmm. and like I just was doing so much deconstructing about everything at that point. Yeah, that was the year I started considering polyamory as an option too, because I, um, our friend, one of our mutual friends, was opening up their marriage, and um, they recommended the ethical slut to me to like understand what they were doing and so I was like cool whatever I just got divorced marriage is a gay is sham anyway like it's all a social construct that is essentially a game that you play and if you want to keep playing it cool if you don't don't um and so you know I also read 
you know, this goes back to the purity myth with Jessica Valente. That book was like talking, she was talking about how all of the norms and of monogamy were like tied back to land inheritance. And like when civilization switched from being like herder, nomadic people, hunter gatherer kinds of things and started having land be part of the deal once agriculture and cities started then monogamy started becoming a requisite because you had no way to prove paternity for inheritance mm-hmm. unless virginity and monogamy were insured and so that's one of those things that like as soon as i figured that out i was like oh that's gross capitalism why yeah. wouldn't you like this makes so much sense for like why there's all these like relationships in the Bible that are not monogamous because you don't need to be unless you have to like prove that you, you want to pass your shit down. And so I was like, this makes sense. And then when I read in the ethical slut, like jealousy is a secondary emotion. It like is about more like the insecurity about your needs being met. And like, you know, it can be, it's, can often be very valid but you have to like always look underneath it and like see what worms are crawling under that rock and like address those first right and so i'm not of the like poly camp that like jealousy like doesn't shouldn't exist at all but i do think that like a lot of the time there's something underneath it that can be worked through yeah that's my approach as well we're like when I when I notice that I'm feeling jealous, it's usually not that I'm like actually really jealous. It's that I'm insecure about something, right. and that like there's something that I need to work on with myself and figure out what it is. Yeah, for like, me, it's like what, always what scarcity mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once I had those two pieces in place, the rest of it was like cool, this makes sense, and also why the hell am I not bisexual and dating both sides? <laughs> right. Like, it was a very right. natural progress from, like, deconstructing monogamy, deconstructing marriage, to embracing bisexuality. Those things, like, went hand mm-hmm. in hand for me. Yeah. And I think I think that's kind of like coming out as by, like, when, when I was sorting myself out, that kind of helped, too, was because when... I was getting married that was sort of our whole approach to it at at the point where we finally got there was like this is literally just a piece of paper that says we can like do whatever and like and also ironic can I just say this is so ironic that like we ended up reverting back to our parents like hyper libertarian fundamentalist views of marriage By accident. So my dad, like, my husband and I had to get married five days, four days. You you were there. Kate was there um, before the wedding because our minister wasn't, um, he didn't, he wasn't ordained in Virginia. And in Virginia, the laws are funky. And, like, his, you know, decree of our marriage wouldn't be binding unless he, like, appeared before a judge and, like, got it, you know, affirmed that he'd be able to perform a marriage Mm -hmm. well so we went to a justice of the peace on like the tuesday before the saturday wedding and um and i came back from that 
you must have heard this conversation. You probably were there that night when my father said, I'm, I'm talking to Kate. Oh, right. Yeah, when my father, <laughs> um, when my father was like, no, don't take this as license to go do anything. It's just a piece of paper. It's not right. real. It's not real until Saturday. And I just kind of looked at him and rolled my eyes like, <laughs> like, right. I'm, look, we've come this far playing by your rules. I'm, do you think I'm going to like fuck it up four days before the wedding? No. Also, if I did, would you ever know? No. Right. <laughs> we didn't. We waited until after the religious ceremony. But, like, when it's one of those things where it's, like, it's only binding if, you know, the thing that we believe in says so. Yeah. And that's ultimately what we came back to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other, like, fascinating piece of this puzzle for me was that so much pressure is put on, like, not being a virgin after your wedding and like oh my God. consummating the marriage and all that. But Let's I had talk about business that. and I couldn't do it. Like, and I spent like five years of our marriage not having done that at all. And mm-hmm. so we had to figure out really early on, like what marriage really meant if it wasn't just having like missionary penetrative sex and having kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And that also strangely enough helped deconstruct the entire concept of marriage because if it's not for (laughs) procreating and sticking things in other things, like (laughs) then you can do whatever you want really. Right. And, and honestly having that conversation with you about that when I was getting married really helped. Now I like definitely, was like <laughs> so my ex-husband had had a scary experience with his church and like was when he was like went too far with a girlfriend and everybody found out and they like sat him down and were like let's talk about your sin and now we're gonna pass this to your parents and your parents are gonna talk to you about your sin and we're gonna pass it to the pastor and the pastor's gonna talk to you about your sin so he was oh scared God. so bad and he was like we're not doing anything until the wedding night we're not doing anything until-. and I was like okay we did everything but right penetrate as sex. you do yeah, yeah. Um, and we were, if you will, good. Um, <laughs> and didn't, you know, do the PAV act until the wedding night because he didn't want to. But I was okay with doing mm-hmm. other things and was like, okay, whatever. But, like, I'm getting laid on my wedding night because I am Randy. Mm-hmm. And um, turned out to be bad idea especially when you don't have enough lube the whole oh, thing is just like yeah it was just rough it was rough no no and and he was so upset because i was in so much pain for a couple days and he was like do we need to call your doctor and make sure you like nothing's wrong with you and i was like i don't no. think anything's wrong i think we just went too fast and i was like <laughs> both like kind of smug so like right i've got it in but also like ow <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know but talking to you about that was really useful and informed a lot of my later relationships actually because I have dated a lot of people with various levels of dysphoria or trauma and um, who haven't been either capable of or interested in performing in like your traditional heterosexual ways Mm-hmm. And so after those conversations with you, I had a much more like queer rubric for what sex is. And so it like lightened 
the mood and made everything fun and on the table. And like, it was just like the pressure was off and it was so great. Yeah. 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 Everything became much easier after I figured that out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. No, this is fun. Cause it was like, it's supposed to be fun. Like it shouldn't, if it's not fun, then we're doing something wrong. So maybe we just you didn't get that. Fun. You didn't get that lecture from church. Though. That lesson from church, though. Where did you get that piece of information, Kieran? I think it was it was because I was reading Scarletine, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was the internet because after like before I got married, I I knew obviously that I didn't want kids, mm-hmm. so I researched the shit out of like birth control. Uh-huh. It's like how do like we all and did. Then, yeah, and I found Scarletine, and I just went through the rabbit hole, and they were like, here is questions about sex. Is it supposed to hurt? Is there only these kinds? And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> I learned so much. Yeah. It was great. Scarletine, highly recommend. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's just so, it was so good. And it was yeah. so accessible to me because I was terrified and like I didn't know how to even ask these questions. And it was just like, yeah. here is like how someone would ask it if they were scared and terrified. And you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, I don't think this is like strictly a purity culture problem. I feel like this is like a fairly common conversation yeah. outside of all of this. This is, yeah, this is not necessarily just for Christian fundamentalists. But, yeah. um, that whole idea of fun, it's really interesting to me because this is my perpetual soapbox these days. We don't play as a culture. We don't have mm-hmm. outlets for recreation. It's part of the, the late stage capitalism that we're in. Um, and so sex becomes, you know, a way for us to impose efficiency thinking, you know, industrialized machine thinking onto um, human interactions that are supposed to be playful and instead it's it becomes like focused on like the goal of getting off and the goal mm-hmm. of of this particular ending and like how can, fast can we do it or whatever how much you know maximum pleasure and least amount of time you know right I'm like that's not how you play games no <laughs> that's not how play works and so yeah it is one of those things like once you like take off the heterosexual goggles the whole world is super fun. Yes. There's just endless possibilities, and it's so good. So um, now living in Oakland, do you go to Peer- Pride? Sometimes. Like, I, I what go is to Pride, I what go is to Pride, Pride mean to, like, to you now? Table. Mm-hmm. Pride is kind of complicated because I'm not, like, the queer who, like, lives for Pride, and I'm not, like, I don't It's like feel... what you were saying before about, like, spaces. Right, yeah. It's like I don't feel super welcome at at Pride, especially like, well, an SF Pride is just like huge and chaotic and very corporate and like very cis gay man kind of yeah. thing, which like there's just so much more to queer than the cis gay white dudes in the Castro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like. I enjoy going to Trans Pride because Good Vibes is there and they have the best swag. <laughs> um, so I go and I get like a year's worth of lube samples. And it's great. Nice. But yeah, I don't I don't really do a whole lot of the Pride stuff 
beyond like I do go with one of my partners to Target every year because uh, the pandering is pretty good. You know, so. I'm so mad that I can't get that. <laughs> I am so mad I can't get that in my town. I'm still so mad about that. Don't mind me. Just going to be raging about living in a small town. It was it was so much better last year. And I think it's because last year the city of Emeryville had a very gay mayor. And this year he is not the mayor because they have a rotating mayorship. Mm. So this year it's someone else. So their gay selection is lacking. Mm. But it was fun. Denver had a its first openly gay governor. Is that right, Kate? Mm -hmm. Marching as one of the marshals for this year's Pride, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't go to the parade, but that's a cool thing that's that happened neat. for Colorado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like Dyke March. And this is, I missed it this year, but I went last year in New York. And that was my first year going to Dyke March. And I loved it because it was, it just felt like my people. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, you know, those cis white gay boys. Yeah. Um, which are, you know, fun, but not my people. And, and it was all of these <laughs> like old angry women beating drums and yelling about politics. And it was so See, great. I would love I that. That love is extremely my it. shit. And it hasn't happened yet. I think it's, um, I think it's d June 29th. So if you're in New York, go to, or New York adjacent, go to Dyke March. It's so good. It starts at, um... It's the Washington Square Park, I think, by the library, and it goes down Fifth Avenue, and it's just like angry tits for miles. Yes, so good. Yes, and and see, that's what Pride should be about—not this corporate bullshit. Yeah, like the the whole, you know, Stonewall was a riot. It <laughs> started by trans sex workers of color. Who were mad at cops yep. for getting in their space. And, yep. you know, when cops just march in pride and, like, wear pride yeah. colors, I just, no. like, that defeats the entire purpose and it's disrespectful to the history of pride. Yeah. And so um, that's why I like Dyke March. And, like, pride, pride is fun. I, like, went, I went to the New York Pride last year, too. And, like, that was an experience and I probably will never go back because I don't love it. Again, it's just like, yeah, celebrities on floats <laughs> and yeah, like corporate yeah. sponsorship stuff. But, you know, I went dancing at Stonewall and I'm at Pride. Like, okay, cool. I did it. Check. Done. Yep. But I'll go back to Dyke March because that felt really, really homey <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I wish I was going to be able to go this year, but I can't. But if you're listening to this and you can, please do and yell for me. Yes. Yeah, Oakland Pride is way better than SF Pride. It's much more low-key. And I go and I table with my school. Mm -hmm. And there's like there's like a street fair aspect to it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was some but, of that here in Denver. There was like a little, a lot of tents and booths nice. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there has to be all of the cocktails, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like a huge part of my queerness. I do a lot of other things that are gay, like organize 
a dance at school and shit. <laughs> um, yeah, you for you so. being gay is like organizing. That's what. Yeah, it is. yeah. So I don't feel like I have to go to a parade to like feel like I'm part of something, because the parade isn't my people, and I'm already doing the work with my people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like happy it exists, mm-hmm. but generally kind of meh about actually like going there. Doing this podcast is one of the, one of those sorts of things for me, because we're lending a queer perspective to all these issues yes. from our particular subset, and so we're giving voice to you know something that like other people aren't able to articulate, and we're more aware of power differentials that other people might not be picking up on, yada yada yada. So yeah. we, we're able to give some more light on different intersections of of power and politics as we talk. And that is that is one of those those kind of like protesty activism things that I feel like I'm doing. Yeah, same. Cuz I don't I mean living in the town I live in there's not much I can do. <laughs> there's really not much. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's stuff I can do in terms of like activism, but like there's not really a a, a scene. Mm-hmm. Because everybody is is very quiet and private if they're yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a scene here, and I'm just not a part of it. But I'm also, like, I'm not the partying gay either. I'm the, like, I'm going to go home and get stoned and drink and play Karen, video games. Karen, remember, <laughs> remember when we tried to go to the gay dance yes. party? Oh my god, we tried so hard. And it was just so bad. We just were too homeschooled to 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 salsa. No, I can fucking salsa, but not in a crowd that's only men dancing with men. Right. I am yeah. a good dancer and I can dance salsa okay. But right. it was it was all Latinx. It was only dudes. Gay boys. Yeah. Which like is great, but I mean, I it was very beautiful more. to look at. It was very hot, yeah. but we we didn't fit it, in. No, no, we did not. <laughs> I need I need there to be more of a variety in my gay scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, here we are. Here we are. Uh, what would you tell baby queers from our background about what to? look for what to not be afraid of regarding pride and coming out and all that. I think the first thing I would say is that you're not broken mm-hmm. because that was like my biggest fear was that like it meant I was broken somehow. And also that like you find your own family and it's even more powerful than the one that you were assigned. It can be, yeah. Yeah. It costs a lot to be willing to lose your family. Yeah. But ultimately, do you know that if people are not abusive narcissists and love you, they will try to figure it out. And it might take time. But if they really do love you, you won't lose them. You'll evolve your relationship with them. And it will require a lot of communication and a lot of empathy and understanding on both sides. 
But if you're willing to put in the work, it's not a lost cause. Yeah. Which is, you know, I can say, you know, to my mom, I'm like, I'm going out on a date. And she'll be like, boy or girl. <laughs> or another. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. and I'll be like, mm, I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They haven't she, told she, me. I don't know. Yeah, they haven't told me yet. I don't know. Yeah, I know. She, she's, she's, um, she has met partners or romantic interests of mine of all gender spectrum and nice. has been admirable with holding her own with all of that. And this, this woman is the woman who, you know, she wasn't overtly bringing the homophobia from church home, but she definitely, mm. definitely had a lot of homophobia to work through before we got there. Yeah. And I'm really proud of her. So it can happen, but you got to be patient. You got to be willing to like build interim supports and buffers and like not hold your breath. Right. It takes time like everything else. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see you this week. Yes, I'm excited. And uh, we're going to be recording um, some episodes, but we're not going to release them until July because we're, we're doing a, a board retreat for the Coalition for Responsible Home Education to try to figure out some strategies for next year. And then we're going to be doing some planning for KTC. And um, we'll take the month of July off to do some pre-recording and some prepping and some organizing for season two. So... It'll be really good. I'm excited. It'll be really good. Thank you for embarking with us on this journey. It's been a wild year. I just got an email notification of, like, that we've been on Patreon for an entire year now. That's amazing. Yeah, I just got that, too. That's awesome. That's amazing. I cannot believe we've been doing this. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's made this possible. No matter how small your contribution is, just the fact that you, like, have shown up and are excited about it and want to hear us keep talking is just amazing and like (laughs) unfathomable yes and like especially thank you to everyone who's been communicating with us and giving us ideas and asking us questions and backing us on patreon and sharing the podcast and rating it and doing all of the things it's i didn't expect it to get as big as it did we've Mm -hmm. had like actually, hold on. I it was sixty three thousand, right I think. Yeah, yeah. We had like sixty three thousand listens over the last year, which is huge. It's crazy. And yeah, I'm still boggled by it, which is awesome. So thank you for that. We will be back next month. Tell um, your friends. Tell your tell family, your friends. Tell your partners. Tell your queer family. Yeah. Rate, like, subscribe, whatever it is that you do on whatever it is that you use to listen to the podcast. And if you want to financially support us to bring on season two and you haven't yet, our Patreon is Kitchen Table Cult Pod. Check it out there. You will get all of the cool, fun things that we're doing. Um, and you'll get exclusive access to the podcast for like a day before everyone else gets it, which is fancy. And if you have topics and suggestions for episodes or things that you want us to answer ideas are welcome you can email us at kitchen table cult at gmail.com we will read your email with great interest yes 
And if you miss us over the break, you can find the entire archive on kitchentablecult.com. You can find links to all the stuff and our awesome merch, which we should be adding to as well over the summer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we will see you soon for season two. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.